Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor at Bike Radar. We're on location for this special episode of the podcast in the rather beautiful surroundings of River Cottage HQ near Axminster in the southwest of the UK. Joining me today is regular contributor Warren Rossiter, Bike Radar and Cycling Plus's Senior Technical Editor for Road and Gravel. I'm also joined by Hugh Fernley Whittenstall, chef, environmentalist, writer and campaigner. He's also the man behind the location of the day, River Cottage, where various projects of his are realised, including some of his television shows and his cookery school. If you're wondering why we have a celebrity chef on the podcast, hopefully our final guest will tie some of those strands together. It's Darren Coppin from Sven Cycles. Darren builds custom bicycles close to here, and as it happens, Hugh is one of their latest customers. Before I hand over to Warren to delve into how Hugh and Darren have worked together, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. So, morning Hugh, morning Darren. Morning. Um, thanks for inviting us here to this uh, fabulous environment. Anybody out there listening that fancies a fabulous day out and some great food, I'd recommend it totally. First thing I really want to ask is, I was Darren, um, I've known you for a long, long time, you know, award-winning frame builder, made some beautiful bikes. I know this for a fact, I own one. Um, how, how, did this, how did this meeting of minds happen? I think initially... For the bike show, I think they put like a press release in. If there's a local business you can work with to build a bike that's functional, see what you can do. So I wrote Hugh's PA a letter. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, Darren got in touch and said that he had an idea to build a foraging bike. And I thought, well, that just sounds completely awesome. <laughs> uh, and that was quite a few years ago now, six, yeah. six seven years ago. Maybe longer. Maybe longer. I, I mean, we were here, so it was, yeah. But uh, so we met up at the top, uh, where which it was our office up there. It's now our restaurant on site. Uh, and we had a chat. And Darren uh, 
asked me what sort of features would be useful to have on the bike. And uh, and came back, uh, I was going to say a few weeks, but realistically it was probably a few months. It's probably uh, more like six to eight months, because <laughs> I'm not known to be the fastest. I have to get it right. <laughs> but that, that was the Mark I River Cottage foraging bike. And it was absolutely beautiful. And it and and it, for me it was almost too precious. There were two there were two problems of, of it of me for me not using it as much as I should have done. Which is one, it was so beautiful and kind of pristine and uh, and I, I, you know it, it was, was a, almost too too good to get rubby. It, it was great, but the other thing is it's very hilly around here. And I am essentially quite lazy. I'm not a completely unfit person. I walk quite a bit. But the idea of riding it up, I mean, and particularly where, where I live, just to get out of the, our little farm at home, is up a very steep hill and then down another very steep hill to get to the local village, which is Colleton, and then up again really, really <laughs> steep to get home. And, and that's, um, that's a bit of a disincentive. So um, I didn't use the bike as, as much as I thought uh, as I'd like to, but and then an opportunity came up to raise some money for a, a fantastic charity, and I uh, talked to, to Darren, and we put the bike into an auction, uh, which raised I think six or seven grand yeah. um, for the Soils Alliance. Um, but that was the beginning of the, the next conversation about the River Cottage Rambler, where we were going to... And at, at which point, it was, it was abundantly clear that I needed an electric bike. Mm. I mean, that was going to be... That was going to change everything. And it has. Yeah. So the Rambler was uh, created with my more daily use in mind to be able to cope with those crazy Devon Hills, uh, to be able to do a lot of what the Forager does, to have some good storage, nice... Um, plenty, plenty of room for taking my bits and bobs... And uh, and that project was uh, quite a lot of that happened over lockdown, didn't it? Yeah. So it went on a lot longer than it should have. But well, there was a lot of problems. There was lockdown problems with with delivery of parts, wasn't yeah. it? There was things yeah. that you were holding was, on was, for a while. It's horrendous. I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, I'm obviously you know you know better we, than we, any of we us. Work yeah. in, you know, we working within it and just trying to get hold of things to test and bikes to test and that sort of thing. And there's so many brands out there. We're sort of going, well, we've got this bike for you, but it's missing half a dozen pieces, you know, because we just haven't had delivery, you know. So it, even to the point where I was having some people send in bikes and go, don't worry about that. I've got those bits. I'll finish it for you before I test it. Brilliant. You know? And so I think, you know, we've all had to um, sort of... You have to change the way we work. Yeah. No longer can I phone up a supplier and get something next day. Yeah. Unless it's fairly standard, anything specialist, they have 90% of it, but the key component you need to make that thing work is not available. And also, we'd set our sights on some key elements, like having uh, mud guards made out of recycled materials. Yeah. And there was, I think, at one point we were looking at hemp, and yeah. in the end we've flax. ended up with uh, recycled flax yeah. straw. Uh, so, you know, once you've decided, you know, what, you want the bike to exemplify the cutting edge of what can be recycled, Etc. Uh, so we didn't want to kind of give up on those things, even if they might take a little while to get hold of. Right. And I think from, uh, I suppose, a manufacturing point of view, you know, the steel now that we used, which is an old material, but it's 90, I think it's in the high 90s, 95% recycled raw product. Yeah. It's and not remined. And then we're using a water-based paint and doing things which no one would really know, but they are important to the whole yeah, the end product. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. I mean, the the idea is is to be able to travel light, you know, to get around with a low uh, footprint, lightly on the earth. But if we can also make the bike, uh, 
you know, use recycled materials mm. as well, even better. But of course, the real uh, kind of value from an environmental point of view is the longevity of it. You know, the fact that it's just going to be around. For, and the, you know that Darren's bikes are just made to last and last and yeah. last. And, you know, uh, of course, if, if you use it as hard as some people do, bits will fall off. You, you put them back on again <laughs> and on it goes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, and was it really important to you to, to, to almost um, continue down your kind of bike journey and keep local? Of course. I mean, the fact that Sven are based in Weymouth, which actually is the reason I'm here in the first place, because uh, I discovered the West Country on holiday just outside Weymouth with my mum and dad in 1970, <laughs> which ages me a little bit. But uh, and, and so when I decided to, that I wanted to get out of London, it was it was Dorset I came to first and then a few years ago hopped over the border into Devon um, but I've always had a soft spot for Weymouth so that was it was great to have the bike coming from that. eBay Motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits LED headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it and with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Interesting. And you kind of almost um, probably describe you as kind of returning cyclist, because you, you, when you mentioned that, you know, in your youth in Gloucestershire, yeah. you, you practically lived on bikes. And then... Absolutely. So growing up in Gloucestershire, my mum and dad moved there about again about 1970 they moved out of London and um, for me it was just like the being moving to the biggest playground in the world the countryside fields country lanes and we my sister and I learned to ride bikes very quickly after we arrived we I had a rally chipper and then uh, I think my mum and dad bought a second-hand bike uh, when you know with the three Sturmy Archer, Archer, yeah. yeah. Archer three-speed gears and we used to bomb about on those all day uh, on the summer holidays. And every now and again, we'd get a lift. Uh, you know, we I used to uh, we used to get a ride on the grain lorry following the combine around, and we'd chuck our bikes in the hedge, and we'd have an hour or two, and then we'd <laughs> go back and pick them up again. And or we'd use our bikes to go to the village shop and spend our spend our pocket money on a few uh, p uh, pink shrimps or flying saucers, <laughs> uh, uh, rhubarb and custard, all those kind yeah. of things. Um, but that and that felt that was great, and it always felt incredibly safe because you could outrun a tractor. Those days, you know, the tractors were slower than you, and they you could smell them and hear them a mile off. So there's no sense that, that things are a little bit different now. And I've been a bit wary about letting my kids go out on these country lanes on on their bikes just because of the sheer power of agricultural machinery. Yeah. It's much quieter, it's much faster, and when you've got uh, people cutting silage. And they're and they're being paid by the load. They're in a hurry. Right. So that is that is not a great recipe for for. So you're saying, that, you're saying the pace of, of country life has actually increased. The pace. It, well, it it actually has. Yeah. I mean, of course, uh, I try and slow it down, uh, especially at the weekends. <laughs> and actually, there are. I mean, there. Are, I've got a, a wonderful series of circuits of country lanes, and and I run as well. So quite often on a Sunday morning, I'll, I'll run in the morning. And I'll do the same circuit in the afternoon on the bike or a slightly bigger one. And there's a sort of 5K, 8K, 12K, and then a kind of 20K circuit. 
uh, and all of which passes through beautiful countryside. I usually take my binoculars with me, sometimes my phone. I like to stop and photograph wildflowers or stop in a gateway and just scan the treetops to see what birds are around. And uh, so it's, it's, it is leisure for me. Uh, I should be using it more often to come here to River Cottage because it's probably only half an hour on the bike. Uh, but there are there are some massive hills, um, yeah. and it's like it, 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 un, unfortunately I'm usually just in a little bit of a hurry to get to the next place. <laughs> but in a way, I don't mind that because the fact that the fact that the the bike ha has evolved for me into a really lovely way to spend my time, mm. uh, you know, as well as I mean, I, I use it to nip down to the village shop, uh, knowing that uh, it will still I will still expend a little bit of effort getting back up that hill, even even on high, but and you burning still, a couple of calories. But I think to get that's a misconception of electric bicycles. It's an assist, and you still get fit you're and still, healthy yeah, from still it. Yeah, but without any question, absolutely. you know, I've I, I spent too long in the workshop making bikes. You know, got a bit overweight, got a bit depressed with life and stuff like that. And me buying an electric cargo bike transformed my life sort of mentally in a lot of respects because mm, like actually mm. I can go out I can do it. it has a function yes and mm. I don't at the moment and haven't done for a long time had the I suppose luxury of time to go right I'm going for a bike ride it's nice it's like I need to get somewhere and I use a bike as my way of getting there so it's sort of absolutely do my shopping yeah, yeah and actually get a bit of enjoyment out of it and some fresh yeah, air it's a way. And, and you and just embrace both aspects don't you yeah. you know you, you enjoy the bike as a leisure thing but I think and we regularly I think enjoying the bike as transport as well when you know, my, just, you know, personally, my, my, my commute to, to our offices in Bristol is 30 miles each way. Yeah. And I do it on the e-bike because normally I'm carrying my laptop and a bag and some, yeah. normally some bits. And, and, and it's still like hard that. work. You can still um, get a good sweater. You can still... It's such a lovely way to arrive at yeah. the office. You know, about 30 miles of riding in the, great, you know, in the outdoors. But you don't have to worry about parking. Yeah. You get don't there. Don't worry about parking, Or I can overpay for public transport that's unreliable, mm. overcrowded and really expensive. Um, or if I go by car, it's, it takes longer than it does for me to cycle. I find because the traffic is so bad, generally and there's that. no nicer way to arrive somewhere than you've just you know you've you've enjoyed it. You you get a you get a kind of mindfulness mindset thing. Yeah, you're just riding along, thinking about nothing, and you know enjoying that's, that's it. Absolutely, and I think whether you whether you're riding to get somewhere or you're just going out to be in the countryside, which is more how it is with me. You're right. It's a mindful situation. You are able to notice everything around you. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, for one, I would never put headphones on and listen to music when I'm on a bike. No, I, I don't, don't, do I don't I, understand that. I like to hear what's going on, yeah. whether it's a car or the cow. Yeah, I mean, I don't, do, I don't do it when I'm running either. People say they find it motivating, but for me, I just like to hear the sounds of the countryside. I find that a bit annoying, the music and stuff. If I'm riding, walking, I want to hear... Yeah. And my environment yeah, that's right exactly it, i find it really calming and one thing i like about having my cargo bike is to be honest with you i can go somewhere and you can start kick the stand out it's like, yeah if you're in a car you think you know where have i got a park where have I got? And, mm -hmm. and it makes it more stressful yeah yeah, yeah. It, it just slows things down and i think that for me it's really important the other pleasure for me is that i go out um riding with my daughter yeah and she really enjoys the bike and she actually gets to ride the river cottage rambler and we have another electric bike a little bit bigger, which which I then ride. So I'm always slightly keep, ooh, you know, I get a bit precious about it when she's right. <laughs> but actually, she's very good on it, um, and she keeps me as far as she thinks it's, it, she thinks it's, it's really unacceptable to use any more assist than you need. So mm. she she's saying, <laughs> Daddy, like are you are you on are you on normal? 
yes. I'm on, I'm still on eco, or I, I'm, I'm not even. I haven't even got the assist on me. So she she sees it as like it's there when you need it, but actually you should be powering this bike with your muscles, Daddy. So so that makes that keeps me on my toes a bit, literally, and, and means I probably just get a little bit more exercise. But then when we do hit a steep hill, I'm so grateful for that high power. I just, I mean, I, I just, I wouldn't leave home on the bike if I, if I couldn't, didn't, if I didn't know that I could get that assist on those crazy hills. And actually, I mean, I guess we should steer the conversation back to the bike, that's why we're here. Um, in the kind of um, design process and the, in the kind of evolution of what we're now looking at, you've, you've had a few, you know, sort of chops and changes. I know, Darren, you said initially you built it with a, a much lighter motor. Yeah. Thinking of your kind of local conditions around Weymouth and everything. Yeah. And then you get out here and you've got some double-digit gradient hills everywhere. And I think that's it. With it's, it's like having an electric vehicle, electric bicycle, from my point of view. There's different drive units and they're more suited to different things. Yeah. And, I, and ultimately, if you live, if you want a rugged bike that is capable of doing big hills and reliable, a mid-drive, like yeah. the Shimano Steps of Bosch or, or now with the new Pinion Drive, is the way to get reliable Mm. Yeah. Power. Yeah. I'm super motor. happy with this now. Yeah. I'm super happy. Really, absolutely does the job. Well, the first evolution of it had a rear hub motor, which, if you're on the flat, fantastic. Mm. But they don't like big hills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? No, and, and I remember Hugh saying, I don't think it works properly. And I went out, it's like, no, it doesn't. It hasn't got enough. Yeah. We, just know, needed, we needed a bit of an extra talk. I, 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 as I said, you know, I would. I, I wouldn't get out the door uh, onto a bike if it wasn't for that electric assist. Uh, but once I'm on it, I'm just so happy. It's mm. great. And uh, whether you're on the flat, uh, down or up, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to drive. And also what's really nice is that, that sense of that craftsmanship underneath you. Um, everything's super smooth. It's a wonderful, wonderfully quiet bike. Yeah. Um, you know you, you, you're just working with a great piece of engineering. And that's... That's not necessarily in the front of your mind, but it's really just there as a presence that makes the whole trip that much more satisfying. And like coming back to the yeah. fact that you know it, it's been a partnership and a conversation to to, it's to more watch of a collaboration. The bike mm. yeah. And I, I think, from my point of view, is my background sort of manufacturing designer things. I think it's the marginal gains that can be had by creating a bespoke bicycle. Yeah, and not necessarily you're a pro cyclist or something like that but if you know and i get a lot of people saying oh i don't know if a bespoke bike's right for me and i said well in the electric bike world when you go and shimano not shimano specialized or any of these manufacturers are you walk into a bike shop and spend five to six thousand pounds on an e-bike it is not their top of the range bikes and i look at it from the point of view of someone that builds individual bikes and i don't know where they've arrived at that price I, I from the parts and things <clears throat> and i look at it and think with the volumes they're producing they should be half the price and you and it is nice to have a bespoke bike, but I mean, I, I mean, it, that's also versatile. And I would say that if anyone is, you know, interested in this conversation and wants to get in touch with Darren and see what Sven can do for them, I mean, it's a super versatile bike for, and, and, and you know, it, it's just right for these for this situation. But it'd be as happy as anything when I'm scootling around town as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, obviously, it's got some some key elements to it, which are, are individual to you that kind of makes it the round. But there's the you know the the substantial rack on the front with the box. There's the, the rack on the back with the magnetically locking in wicker basket, which I think is a really cool touch. Which is great because yeah. it, I do use it for foraging, and you just click that off. I mean, I've had done. I've been out gathering elderflowers. It's elderflowers nearly over now, but a couple of weeks back, I had a good old pick of elderflowers, and just to be able to take the basket to the hedge and back to the yeah. 
to the bike is without having to fiddle with elastic bands and that kind of thing. Well, I think really there's nice. nothing on the bike as far as it's bespoke. It, it, the, the bespoke nature is about the fit and the feel and the quality of ride yeah. Yeah. that the person who's buying a bike wants, but the rest of it is all available off the shelf. And early on building bikes, I tried to build bikes and I'd go to small manufacturers that made all this clever stuff. And I've realized that the fundamentals of the bike need to be standard. Because if something goes wrong, they yeah. can be fixed. Yeah. But, but it's, yeah. it, I suppose the chassis is a thing where you can add that little bit of finesse and add that sort of detail and just make it just feel nice. Mm. But I know with that bike, if I wasn't around, that bike could go into any bike shop and they can fix it. Yeah. And in the past, I think, well, oh, these guys are making great stuff, and I build a bike based around a product, and then two years later, they're not there. Well, that, <laughs> so that's, as much... a, that's a sad story, but you, you, there is a pragmatism to what. To, but but, to that. but mm. I am, you know, I will always try and find something innovative, but there has to be a point where it's properly tested, yeah. but and it's it, serviceable. It has to be maintainable, long term. It's great to have a bike that you think is, you know, is now in the family. I mean, I hope I'll go on riding it for for decades to come. Um, but there's that rather sort of uh, uh, slightly pretentious watch advert that you see. With yeah, the, no, the slogan is, I know it all. The slogan is, uh, <laughs> you don't really own a whatever it is. Yeah, you just I, look after it for the next generation. Well, yeah. this bike is a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah. I don't really own it. I just look after it for And I was actually going to do an advert as a pastiche of that. Oh, well, take <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. It, it makes, <laughs> makes complete sense in that context, doesn't it? So I guess just to, just, just to round off, you know, the, the bike's obviously, it's had a, a lot of use and it's it's looking well used, which is what exactly what we wanted to come down and find. Um, but if somebody came to came to you, Darren, came to you and, and sort of said, "Oh, I, I really like the idea of the Rambler," you've got this kind of base. Yeah, it's a base. You, you've got this want... base to it, and then people can go, "This is what I'm going to do with it." So you can you can tune them. But that's and, what and, and... gets me excited if someone comes. I like that, but we're obviously then being realistic. Because I have had people say, oh, I want to carry this. I'm just it's just not going to work. It just doesn't work. But I like that, you know, the basis of the bikes I build is really nice. Someone said, I like that, but I want to do this. I've got a dog I want to carry. And then I want to carry it on the front of the bike. And I think, right, well, I know the maximum limit that I can carry on the front. I can adjust the geometry. You know, those are the yeah. things that appeal to me. And it's something that, nine, you know, one in a hundred people may notice the subtlety within the bike. But as an owner of a bike or someone that's riding that bike, it would just feel that little bit better. For whatever reason, it may be placebo effect, I don't know. But (laughs) I ride, every bike I build, I ride it. And you just get on it and go, yeah, that works. That works. It's just very special to feel that what you've got is a one-off. And, and, you know, there's of course there's a common commonality to the central idea of it all, but... There's going to be, you know, even, you know, the choice of colour, the, the box and the basket. Uh, we did uh, upgrade some pretty heavy-duty tyres because the pot, pot holes yeah, were Yeah, I here. put some really Absolutely nice... Absolutely terrible. I put some lovely tyres on it and realised, actually, they're not going to last five <laughs> minutes here. So, you know, those Schwabel Big Bends, I've used them on most of them. I use them on my cargo bike. You can just bash them. Yeah. And so you're going you're gonna, to hit the sharp edge of a pothole every couple of kilometres around here, yeah. so it's good no, to have And that. you could put <laughs> suspension on and things, but, you know, my thoughts are with a bike like that is adding suspension and things just add more maintenance long-term, and I yeah. think that a good steel frame or a good tie frame or any well-made frame should have an element of flexibility, 
and just learn to ride it a little bit. Maybe avoid some of the big potholes rather than straight through them. Oh, I know where they all. I know where they all are now. I, <laughs> yeah, so it, you have to be I a little bit more technical. I don't feel the need to take them on for the hell of it. Yeah. Just, but I do know. Tell me if I got my head in the clouds while I'm looking at the bird. <laughs> oh, pothole! There we go. But I do know that a good pair of steel forks, or as I said, or another material, is they don't need servicing. They don't need maintenance. Mm. You know, I've got bikes hanging up in my workshop that are over 100 years old, made out of steel. Yeah. Wow. And they still work. Well, let's hope the Rambler's still around. Well, there's no, there's no reason. There is no reason at all. And even if you had an accident on it, I can replace tubes. I could, you know, it's, I had, I suppose, almost a wind up on this. I had quite a few bikes go out to America over the years. And I had a bike shop contact me from New York and go, I've got one of your bikes in here. And the person that's on it, I don't think it's their bike, and the top tube was all smashed up. I looked at it, I knew who the customer was, I dropped her a line, she said, well, I didn't let you know, because no bikes get recovered, they get stolen. Wow. And it was stolen a year before. Right. So the bike shop stripped the bike down, sent it back, I replaced the top tube, repainted it, got a temporary export visa, so it didn't pay the duty again. Repaired her bike, sent it back, and she still got it. Amazing. And for me, and that was just like, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what makes sense. Yeah, great <laughs> you know, stuff. That's, great story. That, that, you know, and the bespoke bikes aren't for everyone because they do have a cost. But I totally believe that the bikes I build, I say majority of the people that own them won't ever buy another bike to do that job. They might buy another racing bike or anything, but if you buy a nice touring bike or town bike or utility bike, it's just a bit like, part of the family yeah you upgrade yeah. it you change it if it gets scratched it's patina isn't it yeah totally it's mellow uh, it's like yeah, yeah i mean i would say that my my sven you know it is like purely a kind of a thing i use for utility but i have to say it's probably my favorite tool yeah and that's it, 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 it <laughs> exactly. he's a, he's a, it's a yeah it's a tool yeah. and yeah they are expensive but you know now we you know because I've done, we do stuff with Cycle to Work, and it's probably one of the few bikes that makes total sense to do Cycle to Work on, mm. because it has a better residual value, and you're going to get use out of it for a lot yeah. longer, rather than buying a bike that you know in five years' time, ten years' time, it's all going to be outdated, and you're not going to be able to repair it. It might have a better residual value, but I've got no plans to part with it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to pop down in, in another year or two and see how, see how it's holding it's also up. up. It's also yeah, upgradable, ultimately, in five, six years' time. You're going to have a battery with three times the capacity with the same size. Yes. Yeah. And because we, I mount everything external, mm. even if they change the mounts, I could take that bike back, change the mounts, repaint it, put a new battery on that has 200-mile yeah. range, whatever, as if it needs it. you can get it. the same yellow. Yeah, but that's all right. <laughs> Very fond of that. Yeah, like a primrose, isn't it? Yeah. But no. Okay. Right. I mean, great. thanks so much for your time, and uh, I'll hand back over to Tom to uh, lead us out. Yeah, thanks so much, uh, Warren, for putting the questions. And obviously, thanks so much, Hugh and Darren, for your time today. It's been really interesting, fascinating chat about the bike and the, the sort of the theories behind it and why, and why you've built it, why you've gone for it. Um, and thanks also again for inviting us to River Cottage HQ. It's beautiful. Um, obviously, we've been, been enjoying the year. You might have yeah, heard a few nice. slaps and sounds, but that's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, so, yeah, no, thanks ever so much. It's really appreciated. Nice. Hopefully, um, our listeners have really enjoyed that conversation. And if you have done so, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Great stuff. Pleasure to meet you guys and uh, come back to River Cottage anytime. Certainly shall. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.